invite your attention to Proverbs chapter 4 tonight and begin a short series of messages that I've called uh, Holding On for Dear Life. Holding On for Dear Life. You'll see where the name comes from as I read from Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 10. Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. There it is. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. May God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. Hold fast, or take firm hold of instruction. And do not let go, holding on for dear life. Now, this is an expression that we use when something is happening that causes a person to grab a hold of something as if their life depends on it, or even often it does depend on it. It is the image of a person maybe who has fallen off the edge of a cliff, but just before they go over the edge and plunge to their certain death, uh, they grab a hold of something, latch on. They're holding on as if their life depends on it because it does. They're holding on, therefore we say, for dear life, for dear life. And when this passage tells us, take hold of instruction, do not let go. That instruction is your very life. That was exactly what I thought of when I read this passage. Uh, Take hold, holding on for dear life. Uh, Maybe tonight in your life this is more than just a sermon series. Maybe that's exactly how you feel. Uh, I've been there. Uh, Maybe we've all been there from time to time uh, when... uh, We just felt like, you know, I'm about to get to the end of our rope. That's another expression we often use. I used to preach a sermon. I hadn't preached it in years. It says when you get to the end of your rope, you know what you do? Uh, You tie a knot and hold on. Yeah, and uh, uh, keep keep holding on. Same kind of principle. Uh, But uh, you just feel like sometimes that uh, life has uh, gotten so difficult, so complicated, that you just don't know how you're going to keep going. Uh, The Bible speaks of that, I think, when the Bible says, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all, the Bible says, to stand. Uh, If you're still standing, that says a lot. Sometimes we're under such a concentrated and vindictive attack Uh, from so many different directions, that just to stand is a tribute to the mighty power of God. Hold on. Hold fast. Don't let go. Your life depends on Him. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20, we go on. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life. They are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Very famous passage. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Look at the promises then that we see just uh, welling up in these verses that God gives to those 
who hear his instruction, who read and learn his truth, and who hold on to it, who keep it, live by it. What does he say? Well, the years of your life will be many. That's a pretty good promise. You'll live a long life. Your steps will not be hindered. Uh, that's God's way of saying that he's going to bless us as we move along in that direction. And God is not going to be hindering us or working against us. When you run, you will not stumble. Oh, I wish I could claim that promise every time I've ever decided to take a trot. Uh, I can tell you, if you see me running, you know that something is, uh, is bad wrong. Uh, but... Uh, Seems like the reason I don't run much is it seems like every time I run, I either fall or I tear something up. You know, it just, uh, uh, I know some of you are runners. I understand. Uh, I hate running. The reason I hate running is because I played basketball in high school for seven years, and we ran and ran and ran and ran. And I promised myself if I ever got out of that, I'd not do it anymore. And I've been pretty true to that promise, and you can look at me and tell. Um, they are life, these principles. They are life to those who found them. I love this one, and health to all their flesh. Uh, you know, sin hurts people. There's a lot of times that, uh, uh, you know, we sin and, and nobody knows we're sinning, but there's all kinds of sin that show up in our life very plainly. You just bump into them in Walmart or down here at the station when you stop to get gas and you can look at them and tell. Sin's taking a toll on their life. And unless God delivers them, they're not going to live very long. Sin's killing them. I'm going to tell you, I've seen a lot of people drink their self to death. Maybe you haven't seen somebody die from cirrhosis of the liver. I have. It's not pretty. It's a terrible way to die. God says, when you walk my paths, they are life to those who find them and health for all their flesh. There's nothing about living for God that is a threat to your physical health. Not a bit. The most dangerous thing we ever do probably is baptize people, but I can say after 40 years, I've never drowned one yet. Uh, God's not, God, God just doesn't, God's work is not, uh, the things that God asks us to do are not hazardous to your health. Now, that doesn't mean we won't be the targets for the enemy. But let's remind ourselves that in Jesus Christ, we are the victors, and the enemy can't hurt us. The worst he can do is kill us. He can kill us, but he can't hurt us. Jesus himself said that. Now, when we're talking about then what we hold on to for dear life, one of the things that we're holding on to is this path. And when we think about the paths, the ways, and six times in this passage tonight, God is going to talk about our path or our way, the way that we're going, the path that we follow. And when we're talking about those things, we're talking about the will of God. And that's the first thing I want us to notice is the path. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in right paths. I have led you in right paths. And so right up front, we can see that when it comes to things that we need to hold on to, uh, then one of the things that God has promised us is that he would show us how to live our life, that he would direct us in our paths, that he would give us 
a path to follow so that we could confidently follow that path and know that we're doing God's will. But God's will is a path. Back in a long ago time when I could watch television during the daytime, not very often because most of the time I got ran out of the house, but uh, one of the shows that I liked to watch was Let's Make a Deal. Anybody ever watch Monty Hall's Let's Make a Deal? Uh, some of you kids thinking you're watching Let's Make a Deal. No, it's not, it's not the same. It kind of is. One of their favorite deals involves a person making a choice. You know, you could uh, take deal number one and behind door number one, door number two, door number three. And, of course, there was always money there with a pocket full of money and uh, offering people, you know, or I can give you X number of dollars and you can take this and walk away and let's make a deal. And, of course, you remember how it always turned out. You know, sometimes they'd get a new car and everybody, yay, a new car. And then sometimes they get a pile of rocks. Wah, wah, wah. A lot of people think that uh, the will of God is kind of like that. Finding a will for your life, figuring out what to do in life is just kind of like picking a door. And we pray that God is going to show us which door to open. And if that door opens and we pick the right door and that's the will of God, then everything is going to work out right. Yeah. If we pick the wrong door, then it's, oh. God's will is not described as a door. Although there were times in Scripture, and we'll talk about some of those as we go along, when uh, God uh, described his plan, his purposes. For example, the life of the Apostle Paul, who said, A great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. I understand that. But here again and again and again, God talks about how that his will for us is like a path uh, that we follow. And the path is marked out clearly for us by this, his word. His word is his instruction to us. And we can be sure then that we are following God's will when we are Filling our hearts and minds up with his instruction, his truth. When we're holding on to it for dear life because we understand that it is his instruction, his wisdom then that gives us life, that shows us how to live. God's word then is what directs our steps and provides us with the path to follow. His word tells you his way. I like to listen to Christian radio. I don't listen to Christian radio all the time, but I do a whole lot. Uh, and uh, I noticed just today, as I was thinking about this very message that, that just happened, that uh, there was a story, a life story. As a lady came on fish this afternoon, and uh, she was given a testimony. And she said, you know, she'd left the house, and she didn't just feel right about it. And she kept feel, hearing this voice inside of her, something wasn't right. And uh, she felt like she needed to go back home. And she went back home, and as she walked up to their house, she noticed that water was running out of her front door, which is never a good thing. And it turned out then that a, a water hose had, had pulled out of the wall, she said, and, and was gushing water all over her house. And she said, uh, this is what she said. It was intriguing to me. She said, you know, uh, I, I, I just need to learn, she said, how to listen to the voice of God in my heart and be able to tell when it's God's voice and 
when it's my voice. Now, being, being the guy that I am was thinking, you know, if God was telling her she needed to turn around and go back to her house, it would have been a real neat thing if he would have told her before her house flooded. Maybe that's where learning how to listen to God is. Now, is, is this God? We hear, listen, this is not an isolated thing. We hear this all the time, more and more folks talking about it has become so common, so commonplace in our world. There are certainly times in Scripture where God appealed to people, appeared to people and spoke to them authoritatively. He did. Uh, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Uh, Simon Peter wrote about that years later as an old man. He never got over. He had heard the voice of God speak from heaven. This is my son. You hear him. God told Noah to build the ark. He told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Moses and God talked so much that they were friends. The Bible says that God spoke to Moses like a man speaks to his friend. They were buddies. Friends. But think with me tonight about the vast numbers of humanity who have lived and died as believers and children of God. They have served Him faithfully. And while there are a few experiences that stand out in Scripture where people hear these things, most people don't. The overwhelming majority of God's people will live and die without ever seeing a bona fide miracle. Now, we see a lot of things we call miracles, but, you know, the Bible is full of miracles that were called signs. You know, those things like when Jesus walked on the water and when he calmed the storm and when he turned the water into wine and fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. I mean, these things were things that we talked about this morning that only God could do. And that's why they're recorded for us in Scripture. People were healed of their diseases and Children were raised up back to life. It was in incredible, incredible, incredible times of seeing miracles. But the overwhelming majority of God's people have lived and died without ever seeing a miracle or without ever hearing God speak from heaven. We see more and more people talking about looking for a sign. You know, they're... It's kind of like uh, they're expecting to wonder, trying to figure out whether to know where they need to go or not. And so they get up this morning and they look down in their bowl of Cheerios and there's go. That didn't happen. I, I made that up. But you know, Jesus said it's a foolish and adulterous generation, a foolish and fleshly generation that seeks after a sign. Why do we need a sign? Why are we so caught up in all of this, and why is it so popular? There were times when God spoke clearly, uh, and he spoke and revealed his word to people very, very clearly. But everything that I have ever experienced in my life where God was leading me, he has done it through his word and through his spirit. How did you know, Brother Rich, that God called you to preach? That's hard for me to explain. Except that God gave me a burden, a desire to do it, that I couldn't say no to. And I look in Scripture and I see where Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, 
If a man desires the office of a bishop, that is a pastor, he desires a good work. And that tells me that God gives us, those people who are called into ministry, a divine desire to do it. Now, it's possible for people to get a desire from other places. I understand that. And when that happens, they don't last in the ministry very long. How do we know when God wants us in a, in a, a specific place? Listen, I know God called me to preach. I have no question about that. I agree with the old evangelist Vance Havner. I quote him a lot. I know that because he's had such a profound influence on my life, though I never met him uh, in person, up close. Uh, but uh, Vance Havner uh, once said that he had doubted his salvation, but he had never doubted his call to preach. I can, I can understand that. I can sympathize with that. I have that same kind of feeling. There were times when I doubted my salvation, but that call to preach, uh, though I tried to run for it from it for a while, I did. But I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that's what God wants me to do. Where God wants me to do it, that's always been in his hands. Um, we can serve God in, in various places. And I believe God leads me uh, along. But, uh, you say, well, how did, he, how do you, how did you know? If, if God doesn't speak to you, how did you know that uh, he wanted you at Faith Baptist? Well, I put that in God's hand. I came here and preached. And if y'all hadn't called me, you know what? I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Understand? I felt led here. Certainly I had a desire for you guys, I, even though I'd never been here. Uh, but did, did God just sit me down and said, Richard, you will go to Cabot? No, he, I, he didn't. He didn't do that. He called me to preach. Had you guys not called me, I would have kept right on preaching where I was. Maybe God would have opened up some other door somewhere. I don't know. They say, well, man, I wish we got a little more clear vision of things. Yeah, I've often wished that God would just hire a sky pilot or two. You know those plane guys that run around with the big signs up there? Uh, he's got them. He, he doesn't need anybody. He doesn't have to hire anybody. He could just send me an angel or two. I'd be fine with that. But it goes back to that sign thing. So is our way then of understanding God's will that much different than how things worked in the New Testament? Well, obviously there were times that God spoke very clearly to them. But then were times like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You can look at this followed up here. This is Paul the Apostle. And he says this in verse 5 to the uh, church at Corinth. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain. Or even spend the winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. So what's Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about coming to Corinth. He said, now I'm planning on going to Macedonia. And that's, that's Greece. While I'm in Macedonia, I'm going to come by and stay with you. And I might even spend the winter with you. If the Lord permits. I want, I want to come. I'm planning on coming. I know I'm going to get to Macedonia. Uh, but my plan right now is to stay at Ephesus under Pentecost. 
Then you go in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and you find this, verse 15. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly or the things I planned? Do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? What happened? Paul said he was coming and he didn't show up. Isn't that just like a Baptist preacher? I'll be there. He meant to. That was no small thing to these people because, you see, Paul was an apostle, and what they ended up saying is, if we can't count on him to come when he tells us he's coming, how do we know he's telling us the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can we believe anything Paul says? It was a big deal. Now, when he said, and that's what he had to go to, he said, when I said that, did I say it lightly? And obviously he didn't. Did he mean it when he said that I'm planning to come by Macedonia? Of course he meant it. Was Paul out of the will of God? No. If you read on in the passage in 1 Corinthians, he says, A great door and effectual is open unto me. He was in Ephesus at the time. And there are many adversaries. We know the incredible ministry that Paul had at Ephesus. We know how he was persecuted, how he was hunted and put down and, and imprisoned and ran out of town. We know how he was preaching and doing the will of God and God was blessing him mightily. We know all those things. Great door and effectual is open unto me. Paul wasn't backslid so that he couldn't understand the will of God. I'm just saying that Paul's life was a whole lot like mine and a whole lot like yours. We make plans. We, as best we can, plan those plans out in the understanding of the will of God. I'm not trying to do something that God tells me not to do in His Word. I, I know it's something that needs to be done. I want to do it. I'm planning to do it. And if, if God permits, if God permits, I will do it. Sometimes, though, those things don't work out. And it's not that we have missed the will of God or missed God's plan. It's just that it's not always that specific to us. Instead, we have in this passage that God lays out a path for us. And that path is His instructions. And when we are close to God, listen, when we are close to God... When our heart is filled with His Word and we are closely then trying to follow His Word to do what God has told us to do, then we can be confident that we're doing the will of God. Now, I know what you're thinking. But how am I supposed to know who I'm, I'm supposed to marry? Well, maybe none of us are thinking that tonight. I don't see a lot of teenagers here tonight. Uh, how am I supposed to know where I'm supposed to go to school? How am I supposed to know what job that I'm supposed to have? And the steps, the Bible says, of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he shall direct thy paths. That's Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Rather, and he delights in his way. God is delighted when our steps are directed by him and we're following his way. When we submit ourselves to him, 
The mighty spirit of the living God lives in us. The word of God then comes to bear in our life and the spirit of God works through his word to communicate his will to us. Now, we might not know exactly what job it is that we need to take, whether I take this job or that job, I go to this school or that school. I, uh, but I'll tell you what we do know. We know how to live. We know how to worship. We know how to serve God. We know how to pray. We know how to witness. We know a lot about how to live because this Bible tells us how to live. And when we are living in the way that the Bible tells us to live, then we know that we're in the will of God. God may open doors for us. That is, if we feel confident, you know, this is a good job, it's a good place. I like that. And I can tell you right now that if you're contemplating a job change that is going to lead you away from Cabot so that you have to leave Faith Baptist Church, that's probably not God. I'm kidding, and I shouldn't kid about that. I understand, but a little humor goes a long way, I hope. I want you to look at Ephesians 5.15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days of evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, a couple of things. Uh, why be not drunk with wine is inserted into all of this discussion, and it's all one paragraph and one concept that's being presented. Walking circumspectly, not as fool, but as wise, understanding what the will of God is. And it's at that point that he tells us, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. You see, what we need is to be submitted to the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. How do we know the will of God? The Spirit of God lives inside of us. The Word of God then is hidden in our heart, and the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to convict us and to lead us and direct us in the paths that God would have us uh, to go in. You do the will of God. If you're contemplating doing something that is clearly taught against in Scripture, don't. <laughs> Just don't. We'll see that in the next one because we see the path then, then the destination. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. That's the Bible's way of warning us and reminding us that every path goes somewhere. And if you don't want to end up where that path leads you, then turn your foot away from it. Uh, I was traveling from the Gulf Coast back to Arkansas one Saturday afternoon. I had a phone call. I was talking on the phone. I know you're not supposed to do that and drive. I understand that, but I was talking on the phone. I was. I went through Jackson, Mississippi. If you've ever been through Jackson, Mississippi, you know that it is a monstrous maze and very rough. As I was going along Jackson, Mississippi, I didn't notice that it was time to make that fork where you go to the right instead of the left. And I ended up going to the, right, to the left instead of the right. And I didn't notice. I didn't notice until I crossed the Louisiana line. 
and I had not gone through Vicksburg yet. So I knew that I had made a wrong turn, and I knew exactly where I'd made it. The worst thing about it was when I pulled over and pulled out my trusty GPS and started looking at the map, really the only way to get back on track was to go back the way I'd come. I could go across that way, but it would take longer to cut across than it would to go back like I'd come. So all that way I'd gone down to almost New Orleans and all the way back. Don't talk on the phone while you're driving. I bring that up to you tonight because every path leads somewhere, and if you don't want to end up where that path leads, don't get on it. Don't get on it. Turn your foot away. Be careful. Ponder where you're going. Think about where this is going to lead, and if it's going to lead you into something and to somewhere that you don't want to end up, don't go. Don't go that way. Think about the destination. Whatever path you are on tonight in life, uh, that's where you're going to end up. Wherever that path is going, it's where you're going to go. If you don't want to go that way, turn around. I love the little sign that says God allows U-turns. The reason I love it is because it's biblical. You know what the word repent means? Turn around. Turn around. Turn around. The path then, the destination, lastly the catalyst, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, The catalyst Uh, that helps us to understand then the will of God is the heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. Jesus put it this way, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Adrian Rogers put it this way, What is down in the well comes up in the bucket every single time. Every time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People who travel an evil path do so because their heart's evil. That's why we have to be very careful about what our heart tells us. Somebody says, well, if I, if I know my heart, but, but you, you, know, you don't know your heart. And I don't either. And the only way we can be confident with our heart, and our heart in, in the Bible speaks of the will. That is uh, where decisions are made, where choices and decisions are made. That's why the Bible says uh, that with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. It is the place of our decisions where we make our choices. And our heart then that is saved, our heart that is that new heart, listen, that new heart that God promised to give us all the way back in the Old Testament through the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Isaiah who both spoke of that new heart that God was going to give us, a heart that is impregnated, 
penetrated by the Word of God because God says, I'll write my law on your heart. When we fill up our heart with God's Word, that's why I love Awana. When we fill up God's heart, our heart with God's Word, when our heart then has been transformed by the new birth, the Holy Spirit then is at work in what we want. What we want becomes what God wants for us. The catalyst for being confident then that we are in the will of God. I believe tonight, and I've talked about this recently before, you know God works in our lives in a lot of ways. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He convicts us. He rebukes us. He reproves us. He guides us. He leads us. He brings to our mind and heart God's truth and brings it to bear against our everyday situations. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and He's our God. The Proverbs chapter 4 is a great passage that describes the will of God as a path, not a door, but a path that we walk one step at a time, one course at a time, one day at a time. And if we stay on that path, the path that God has marked out for us in His Word, then all of these promises that we went through at the beginning of this message are ours, and we can claim them confidently. Hold tightly to these things, for they are your life. Hold on for dear life to God's instructions. Let's stand together, please.